it's a game changer. Walking up hills, I was no longer breathless. That morning cough that you get, gone. And with the money I'm saving, I'm putting it into going to the gym, getting back in shape and actually getting my health back on track. It's been described as one of the most important tools in fighting the scourge of smoking. But when we're talking vaping, controversy is never far off. India has announced a complete ban on vaping to prevent an epidemic among young people. Some anti-smoking advocates say the government's vaping legislation will make it harder for smokers to quit. Vaping is a bit of a contradiction. It's an effective tool for quitting tobacco, but one which keeps feeding your nicotine addiction. Scientists claim they're 95% less harmful than cigarettes, but how can we know that, considering they've barely been around for longer than a decade? Advertisements have been banned, but your doctor is still free to recommend it to you as a cessation tool. And what about in schools, where numerous principals around the country are saying... We and other schools are now encountering 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds who are addicted to nicotine. Kids who vape have been shown to be much higher at risk of going on to smoke. Suddenly we're seeing vaping just go through the roof and it's become epidemic. Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Detail, the long and the short of vaping. How bad is it for you? Are non-smoking teenagers really taking it up in droves? And how much do we really know about the long-term effects? Some full disclosure here, I vape, and I have done for about six months. For me, and this is just my experience, it's been extremely helpful. I smoked cigarettes for 12 years, but I haven't touched or even wanted to touch a cigarette since I started vaping. Now, I don't think this colours how I've approached this podcast, and I am by no means militant in my views on vaping, but that is something you should know. Anyway, with that out of the way, here is Deborah Hart, director of the anti-smoking group, ASH. ASH is uh, an advocacy group. It was set up some 30 years ago by a group of doctors who were pretty peeved about smoking-related deaths and got together and decided that they were going to use all of their expertise to advocate for for change. So when we say they're an advocacy group, they're advocating in favour of people not dying from tobacco-related illnesses. Exactly. Okay. You are the spokesperson for ASH, the head I'm, of ASH? The, I'm the director. The director, yep. okay. Yep. Do you have a background in medical science or are you a doctor? I don't. Oh. I don't. Um, so I've come to the organisation about 18 months ago. Um, my background is in the law. I understand how to... Um, get legislative change um, and I also sit on the Human Rights Review Tribunal. But I'm of course surrounded by researchers and and doctors and medical specialists um, as well. So Ash does have doctors who are involved with the agency. You know what they're talking about when it comes to this kind of stuff. You carry out your own research as well, I understand. We do, we do. We we have one of the uh, largest uh, surveys outside the census. Mm. Um, The Ash Year 10 survey that has been going for 30 years now, nearly 30 years. Is ASH funded in any way directly or indirectly by tobacco groups? No. Or tobacco companies? No, never has been, never will be. Okay. In an ideal world, presumably it is ASH's point of view, that in an ideal world neither smoking of tobacco nor vaping would be a thing. Well, we live in a pragmatic world. We'll be happy with the smoke-free 2025 target. 
which is less than 5% of all of us smoking. And I say all of us um, because many of us are already at the smoke-free target. So young people, for instance, are 15 to 17-year-olds, only 3.1% of them smoke at the moment. But many of us are not at the target, Maori, Pacifica, poorer people in our community. So we all need to get to this target together. Um, but we don't think that everyone is going to stop smoking and some people with all of the all of the um, support in the world and all of the evidence in the world are still going to want to to smoke we hope that that is as few people as possible is it fair to say that all things considered ash is relatively in favor of vaping I mean because you know that's a that's an it's a weird sentence all things considered, Ash is in favour of vaping as a quit-smoking tool. Mm. Ash is opposed to death from smoking-related causes. And so we find ourselves in the situation that we can see that vaping is a really valuable way to help people. How important at all, in your experience and in the experience of your medical experts, is vaping when it comes to people who want to quit smoking? It's a game-changer. It's a game changer for many reasons. One of the reasons is it uses the same kind of hand-to-mouth action. It provides the same kind of social outlet. It can include nicotine, so you can easily transition from a cigarette to a vape. So there are many things about it that make it easier for people to transition to something that's a lot less harmful it also has the ability to reduce the amount of nicotine so that bit by bit you can reduce the nicotine and, and not be vaping at all. So it is a very valuable tool for some people, not everyone, um, but, it, but it's, an, it's a very valuable uh, addition to the toolkit. A neat addition to the toolkit it might be, but there's still a big question here. Vaping might not be as bad for you as smoking tobacco, But is it still bad for you? And if so, how bad? Chris Bullen is a professor of public health at the University of Auckland. If I wasn't a smoker and I took up vaping, I think that's a really dumb idea. I mean, why bother to take the risk? Mm. However, if I was smoking a product which I knew that if I continued to use it past the age of 40, it would be likely to it's about a 50% chance it was going to be the, the cause of my death, mm. essentially, then I would be doing some serious thinking about if I couldn't quit being dependent on nicotine, mm. which is the addictive substance, most addictive substance within tobacco smoke, then why not try something that might be less harmful? And what we know about e-cigarettes is that, yes, they do contain some of the same toxicants that we find in cigarette smoke, But generally speaking, they're either at the same level or much, much lower or even absent. And so a lot of the carcinogenic, the cancer-causing agents and the agents that trigger uh, cardiac events and strokes um, just aren't there in e-cigarettes. It took, this is something that's often pointed out Mm. in this discussion, it took, uh, you know, many decades Mm. of people smoking cigarettes for us to properly understand the long-term effects, catastrophic long-term effects of tobacco smoking. Can we say with confidence that the same thing won't happen with vaping? Well, I think we can't be absolutely, you know, 100% confident because we're talking about a product which is very diverse. The quality varies from product to product. The way people use them is very, very different. There's a variety of products that people get 
uh, into their hands and try, and you might get you know, a really high-quality uh, e-cigarette and the risks of using that for the next five years or two years or whatever are extremely low. I mean, ideally, someone should use this product for as short a time as possible mm-hmm. to be able to quit smoking altogether and then to ultimately stop and only maybe use them as a rescue if you feel like you want to have a cigarette, okay. take a puff on a vape. I mean, that would be the ideal. Um, but people are more likely to take much longer to transition away, and so their exposure could be you know, a couple of years or even lifelong. And so we have to think about that group of people who are a bit more equivalent to people who are like lifelong smokers who we follow up for 10 or 20 years and we find some strange cancer that develops. Mm. So it's possible that could occur, um, but it's much less likely given what we know about the constituents and about the biomarkers that have been measured in people's blood. But it's not to say that that won't occur, but to a relatively small proportion of people, I would say. We are pretty confident that it's much less harmful. Even the most anti-vaping advocates would agree, most the vast majority would agree that vaping is less harmful than smoking. So even if they were only half as harmful as smoking, then substituting something that's half as harmful for something that's wholly harmful mm. <laughs> has got to be you know, beneficial. So it's a harm reduction way of thinking, which is a bit different to a normal thinking in this area which has been you either quit or you die Mm. and so we're trying to change people's way of looking at this and saying actually being addicted to nicotine isn't probably a whole lot worse than being addicted to caffeine nicotine itself is not particularly harmful there's very limited evidence that in itself it is carcinogenic causes cancers or causes damage to your heart lungs it's the rubbish that's wrapped around it in cigarette smoke that's what does the harm causes the cancer causes the heart disease the strokes etc etc the list goes on is that true though i have heard it said i don't know the answer to this i have heard it said that nicotine one area where nicotine can have a harmful effect is on developing brains young people's brains is that is that the case well that's the little thing that's trotted out by panicking parents sometimes or, or worried high school principals. We and other schools are now encountering 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds who are addicted to nicotine. We know that scientifically nicotine is damaging to the adolescent brain. I get where they're coming from. I mean, we don't want young people to be vaping as a lifestyle option. Uh, totally understand that and, you know, we should be concerned. And that's why in New Zealand we're bringing in progressively regulations which are designed to try and minimise uh, the harm of, of that happening. So I think that, you know, that's a good thing. That's a role government has to play in trying to ensure the harms and the risks to young people are minimised. Um, but in terms of what nicotine does, you know, does it rewire the brain? Certainly if women smoke tobacco during pregnancy, the child that they deliver is usually um, smaller than average may be more likely to uh, develop um, smoking dependence in, uh, later in life. But broadly speaking, is that the uh, nicotine or is it uh, other stuff in smoking that causes that? We know that carbon monoxide displaces oxygen from haemoglobin, which carries, you know, goes around in the, bo- in the blood. So maybe it's a carbon monoxide effect. It's not been shown conclusively to be a nicotine-related effect. So we do need controls, we do need good messaging, we need to monitor this very, very closely, and we're doing that. Uh, not, I don't think the monitoring is as good as it could be, but we do need to be doing that in New Zealand. But the evidence from the US, which has had an open slather, 
no-holds-barred free market with e-cigarettes mm. for some time, smoking rates among young people continue to decline despite the rise of vaping. In fact, the rise of vaping almost mirrors <laughs> the decline in smoking. So what do you want? Do you want smoking to, to drop away to a zero and accept that you have some vaping in young people but it's much less harmful than smoking? Uh, and some of those young people will go on to become lifelong vapors. It's a sort of a trade-off mm. that we've got to think about and decide as a society what we want. As we've heard, anecdotal testimony from school principals can paint a pretty bleak picture. But what sort of research is there into vaping prevalence among teenagers? Well, every year Ash carries out its own survey, the Year 10 survey, which in 2019 garnered about 27,000 responses from 14 to 15-year-olds. That's about half of all Year 10 students. In 2019, more than 37% of all those surveyed had ever vaped. That's an increase of four percentage points on 2018, while daily vaping leapt from 1.8% of 14 to 15-year-olds to 3.1%. That compares to 19% who've ever tried cigarettes and 2.1% who smoke cigarettes daily, both of which are actually an increase on 2018. There are other interesting elements researchers are exploring. Māori and Pacific students are much more likely to vape, and there are questions around how many teens who vape have never smoked before. In fact, there's an ongoing debate between Ash and smoking researchers at the University of Otago, who argue Ash underplays both the extent of teen vaping and also doesn't give proper weight to the possibility that vaping could be like a gateway leading teens from vaping into cigarettes. Chris Bullen makes the point that if vaping is undeniably the lesser of two evils, we should be happy that the stats are trending in this direction. But what about the big cohort of people who say tobacco's bad, vaping's bad, and really we should be aspiring to a world with neither? Yeah, well, I think that points to some sort of moralistic perspectives about um, addiction in society. Uh, there's always addiction, even so-called clean living people, you know, joke about being addicted to caffeine and need coffee every day. Exercise. Right? Yeah, or exercise or things that are ostensibly good. Um, and, you know, New Zealand has a long-term love affair with alcohol, and we certainly haven't been prepared to tackle that. Uh, particularly, um, you know, aggressively. So I think in, in one sense uh, prohibition, which is w where that argument's coming from, is certainly, you know, on the, on the table as an option, but we have to think about the downsides uh, with such policies. New Zealand's probably as well-placed as any country in the world to get rid of tobacco products altogether because of our watery boundaries and the difficulty in smuggling. But we can grow tobacco here really well, and we have in the past, and there's a bit of homegrown tobacco. So it might spring up a bit of a black market and uh, you know local industry, I would imagine, that would supply some of the needs of the hardcore smokers, and the gangs could probably be involved, and it could end up being a bit like um, you know the cannabis... A drug trade. Yeah, a bit of a drug trade. Mm. Mm. So, um, you know, I think there are some downsides. It's better that the government has, I think, um, accepts that um, there's um, an environment in which they have control and can regulate uh, the products that are on the market and to work towards a plan for eliminating the most harmful products and substituting them with less harmful products to bring people along on a bit of a journey 
that's less painful than a sudden sharp you know, stop where you get all sorts of collateral unintended consequences. One of the last things that the government did before um, Parliament rose was pass vaping legislation. The marketing of vapes to young people and non-smokers ceases from today, and that's thanks to new laws that have come into force. From today, it's illegal to sell vapes to under 18-year-olds, and advertising and sponsorship of vaping products will be banned altogether, and vaping is also banned in legislated smoke-free areas. This involved a swathe of changes which will be rolled out over the next year and a half. Vaping is now prohibited in a bunch of places like workplaces and schools and most advertising and sponsorships are banned. By August, most flavours of vape liquid will only be available in specialist vape stores rather than dairies and the government's also introducing a product safety system which will allow it to recall or issue warnings about vaping products which might be unsafe. If there's any inkling of something that is causing harm, it can immediately move to regulate against it. Very, very, uh, a very nimble of ability to to make those those regulations, which really gives us some surety in this country. Well, I mean, it sort of does, but you know that's what they said about synthetic cannabis. Yes, although I think they're being quite conservative about those those regulations to begin with. And we don't have in this country, in the main, a vaping industry that's um, irresponsible. We don't want non-smokers to, to start vaping. We don't want children to start vaping. You know, we want to make sure that we are approaching the right people and those are current smokers who need to stop. There's only four products in a decent e-liquid. There's propylene glycol, vegetable glycerine, flavouring, uh, and it's chosen nicotine. It doesn't need anything else, that's it. Um, and most... Vaping is, you know, people are getting it from shops that are going to be highly regulated again. So all of these are quite good safeguards for us. Well, I mean, is that true? Because some big players in the vaping industry are owned by tobacco companies. Mm -hmm. They're spin-offs of tobacco companies. Mm -hmm. For them, though, they're just ultimately, they're there to, new product, same leopard, same spots, addict our people in our communities, and then take care of the shareholder. They're just strategising how they can get into the market. They want to keep their profit margins high, or if possible, higher, and they know that the smoke-free kaupapa is very, very slowly, too bloody slowly, being brought in. Mm -hmm. So they're they're protecting their profit margin. So diversifying. Diversifying, Diversifying. yeah. Yeah. And there are people who might reasonably say these companies are evil, and this is simply a pivot into an industry with a more reasonable long-term future. Yep. And they'd be right, these companies are evil. Full stop. Um, But (laughs) they happen to be producing a product, um, not cigarettes, but uh, vapes that are a lot less harmful. Would we prefer that they weren't involved? Yes, but they are, and they're producing some products that are a lot less harmful. And that's the practicalities of the situation that we find ourselves in. If they were to stop producing cigarettes and produce vaping products that that are um, come under our regulations and are less harmful than the previous um, and I'm finding it hard to say this but okay you know all right well that's we'll take that lesser of two evils lesser of two evils but you can see how hard it is for me I can. to say that you look physically they, I physically yeah. don't want to say it <laughs> um, but yes they are you know, we, we just have to try and get as many people off uh, this terribly harmful product.
just finally on this, you mentioned you, you were a parent yourself. Your kids are not teenagers anymore. Yeah. Let's say that you did have a teenage mm. son. Yeah. They were 14 years old. Mm-hmm. The best of your knowledge, they've never smoked a cigarette. And you spot them out the back of the house one day mm-hmm. having a hoon on a vape. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? I can just remember when I was a little bit younger than that, my mother caught my, myself and my brother having a smoke with a cigarette. She actually made us puff them really hard until we felt nauseated. <laughs> so it was sort of aversion therapy. And you I wouldn't felt, do that? Or? I wouldn't do that again in a hurry. <laughs> uh, I, actually, it wasn't a bad strategy. Yeah. Uh, so she didn't actually sort of tell us off, uh, made a bit of fun of it. And made it seem a bit ridiculous and made us feel unwell. So maybe that would be a good strategy. But I think, um, you know, just in a more gentle way, uh, talk about what are you doing this for? Why are you choosing to do that? Do you know what's in these products? Why not, you know, why not breathe breathe clean air? Uh, They're costing you a lot of money or, you know, find out more about it. So I would be more, uh, I wouldn't be... um, Tough dad coming down hard because I think that just drives the behaviour underground. Like you might be with cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. So if you spotted your hypothetical, yeah, I would be sense. pretty tough on the cigarette. I mean, yeah. my kids all don't smoke, but they don't. They've been known from the day they were born that mm. cigarette smoking is a really dumb thing to do if you can avoid it. Because I guess the, the the point that I'm trying to get across mm. is, you might have that chat with a teenager, mm. and they might come back to you and say, "But people say it's not bad for me." Yeah. The public health man who I was listening to in mm. detail, this is a very yeah, precocious 14-year-old. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying it's not completely bad. Uh, I think this is a, a, the communication is really important here. Mm. We're not saying they're 100% safe. Uh, you know, fresh air isn't 100% safe. You know, there's all sorts of gases coming off the furniture. Um, you know, we breathe in traffic fumes. We make trade-offs every day about mm. our risks. So nothing is completely safe. E-cigarettes on a scale of harm are relatively much safer than smoking tobacco. So if you're going to put something in your mouth and breathe it, I'd much rather you do it with e-cigarettes than with cigarettes, so good on you. But I would much prefer that you didn't have anything at all. And I'm here to support you, and if you are finding it hard to quit using these products or want to have a further discussion about them, I'm here to provide you with support to get off them. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Blair Stagpole and produced by Mark Jennings. And thanks to Deborah Hart and Chris Bullen. Matewa.